When Josh asked me to, to take over today, um, of course, you start praying. And uh, I had just finished reading a book by Charles Haddon Spurgeon on, on prayer. And it was basically a book that was put together of a lot of his sermons on prayer. And it just, it just blessed my socks off. And I had just come to the end of reading that when Josh asked if I could do this morning service. And so I started concentrating on prayer. And I remember, which I shared in Sunday school this morning, that last year, about May, April, May, we had shut down. We hadn't opened up yet. And I was getting sick and tired of hearing the news. I don't know if any of you did or not, but I just couldn't believe what they were telling me was the truth. So I decided to stop listening to the news and start listening to God. I started reading the scriptures a whole lot more, and I started praying a whole lot more. So I've come to the pulpit this morning to speak to our prayer life. To our prayer life, I think it was asked of Billy Graham at the end of his life, if he had anything to do over, what would he do? He said, I'd probably pray more. So how's your prayer life? I must admit and confess, mine's not all that healthy. I spend way too much time away from God and not in his presence praying. So this morning, we're going to look from the scriptures about prayer. But I thought we would begin this morning by thinking of conversations we have with people. These conversations can be a short hello, as maybe happened this morning when we came in here. We just greeted somebody, hello, how are you doing today? And then we went and sat down. Then there are times when we are speaking with someone uh, that can last longer than just a quick greeting. That time spent is determined by the subject of the conversation and the person we are speaking to. For instance, our shopping experiences have times of speaking with those that can give us help in our buying. Could you give me advice on this or that? Or you go to the grocery store, you're going to have to check out unless you use the self-checkout, which is robbing the clerk over there for conversation. We have times of going out to eat with friends or family and we exchange words during the meal. A visit to the doctor's office is a time when we tell the doctor what ails us and he or she listens and hopefully has an answer. It's a conversation back and forth. Then there are times when our conversation is with that one person where we can open up and share intimate information and concerns. That person is a very close friend that over time we have come to know just in spending time together. A good illustration with that would be you guys and your wives spending time together in conversation together, getting to know one another. It's interesting as a side note. I mean, I could tell you of our dating experience was basically in a cow barn. And um, 
I learned here just a year or so ago that our initial meeting in that cow barn, uh, Sue really didn't like me. But he did, and 53 years later, we're still getting to know one another. And it's been a joy. But we have those people that we can go and sit down, and over a period of time, not a quick hello and be gone, that we can actually sit there and talk confidently about the concerns we have, knowing that they are there listening. And that's what, that's what, um, these instruments right here fail to do. Not even if you're doing FaceTime. It does not fail. It does not give you opportunity to look the person in the eye and see them listening to you. We have those people. We should cherish and thank God that he's given us those people. But as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, we do have that kind of a friend that we can go and actually sit with and pour our hearts out to, and he's listening. And he has an answer. So, he will never, he has promised us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So we come to him to have a time of speaking and listening to him. How do we listen to God? We covered that in Sunday school this morning, and if you weren't there, you were, you were not privy to that great statement. He, he speaks to us not audibly like I am speaking to you. He speaks to us from this book. He speaks to us from this book. And when we prayerfully come to read the scriptures, whatever we're reading the scriptures for, whether it is a, a daily Bible reading, the, the elders of this church have given opportunity to have different kinds of daily reading programs, and hopefully you're doing that. Reading daily. My daily reading program is um, out of the Psalms, it's out of the Old Testament, it's out of the prophets, and it's out of the epistles. So you get a good covering of what God has said over all these years in imparting truth into his word so that we can, we can be ministered to as needed. So we come to him to have a time of speaking and listening. We as Christians call this prayer. And let's hear what God has told us and taught us about communing with him. First place we want to go to, what is prayer? We're going to cover some questions here. So the first one is, what is prayer? Go to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. This is the Sermon on the Mount toward the end of that long sermon. Started in Matthew 5 and it ends in Matthew 7. In Matthew 7 and verse 7. Jesus speaks about prayer. He just comes straight out. He says, ask of God and it will be given to you. Seek God out and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. Those three verbs 
are in the, I don't know what the text is or what the structure is, but it actually means keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. So many times we pray and we ask God for something today, and if it doesn't arrive by the end of the day, we're done asking. We must not heard me. No, he heard you. He's saying, keep asking. Keep asking. Turn also to 1 John 5. 1 John, way in the back. 1 John chapter 5. This is the Apostle John writing on the Isle. Well, no, he's not on the Isle of Patmos. He's, he's writing this toward the end of his life. 1 John 5 and verse 15, he writes, And if we know that he hears us, if we know, question to you, do you know that God hears you when you cry out to him? Do you actually believe? That last song talked about believing, believing in him that he is who he is. Do you believe that when you cry out to him or just ask or seek or knock, he's hearing you? John says, if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. And we're going to find out how to ask, how to frame our words. And then Jeremiah 29, I don't know if you've got my notes, but Jeremiah 29, verse 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. That's God's plan for you and me, not for calamity. Are you in the midst of a calamity? Praise God. He wants you to learn something. But it's not to last. He wants to give us a future and a hope. It continues. When we know that he is that way for us, then you will call upon me, God says, and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. There it is, black and white, the promise of God. If you call out to me, I will listen. You will seek me and find me. Now here is the requirement. When you search me with all your heart. It's a hard issue when we pray. It's just not a bunch of words we throw together and throw up in the air hoping God will catch them. It comes from the heart. It's a hard issue. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. <clears throat> so what is prayer? Well, that's describing what prayer is from the scriptures. I thought, well, I wonder what Mr. Webster, Mr. Noah Webster of 1828, the dictionary he put together, what does he define prayer as? Prayer is a solemn address to God consisting of, remember these words, consisting of adoration or an expression of our sense of God's glorious perfections, confession of our sins, pleading for mercy and forgiveness, intercession for blessings on others and thanksgiving or an expression of gratitude to God for his mercies and benefits. Remember that definition, because we're going to come to a portion of scripture that says the exact same thing. That's what prayer is, and that is how we are to address God. 
It's a solemn address to God. So, why pray? Why should we pray? Well, if you read enough scripture, we're commanded to pray. We're commanded. It's a commandment. Pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 simply says, pray without ceasing. What does that mean to you? Pray without ceasing. Don't stop. We can constantly be in conversation with God on a daily basis. It's amazing the conversation I had with him for 30 years on the streets of Casanova delivering mail. Sometimes I'd get so intent on praying and talking with God, I'd walk right by the next delivery point. And then I'd wake up and I'd look that the mail that was next to be delivered was two houses back. But pray without ceasing, we're commanded to pray. Ephesians 6.18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit of God. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So, we're starting to gain an understanding of what prayer is. It is my been given a privilege and a responsibility and a command to pray to God for the needs that I have, not only for the needs that I have and ask for help, but also to give thanks and praise to who he is. But then also another element of prayer is to pray for one another. And I would recommend a challenge to this congregation. You look around, you see who's here today. I want you to pick one person that you see here today. If you know them by name, pray for them this next week every day. Pray for them every day this next week. If you don't know their name, go ask. Excuse me, I want to pray for you this week. What's your name? I would challenge you. Let's, let's do that as a congregation and see what God will do if we pray for one another. Matthew 26, 41. This is in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the last night Jesus spends alive on this earth as, a, as the son of, son of man. And he's got those disciples out there with him in this garden. And he speaks to them and what they should be doing is he's off at a distance praying. He says to them, keep watching and praying. Keep watching and praying. And if you read those scriptures, you know they had a hard time doing it. It was the middle of the night. They were falling asleep. So he warns them, keep watching and praying so that you may not enter into temptation. We all have that problem of being tempted by the evil one. You know those three elements of the world? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. We all have that. It's a residue of our sin nature. Sometimes it wants to raise its ugly head up and tempt us. I found at times when I've been tempted to things of the world, this verse comes to mind. Pray that you not fall into temptation. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
John 16, 24, this is the last night Jesus spent with his disciples. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. There's an element of praying without ceasing, praying for all things, praying for one another that brings a joy. And the more we pray, the more full God gives this joy in our hearts. So that's why to pray. We're commanded to pray. How do we pray? Well, thank God for the pattern he's given us on how to pray, how to formulate our prayers. Turn to Matthew 6. Matthew 6, we're back in this amazing Sermon on the Mount. So before we get to the pattern that he's given us to pray, he gives us warning about praying. Verse 5. <clears throat> when you pray, you are not to be as the hypocrites. What is a hypocrite again? One who is play acting. Actually, it was a word used in Greece for those who were in plays. They took on the character of of someone they were playing. John Smith was playing the character of, of George Jones. That was, he was characterized as a hypocrite. But he's saying about those who are being addressed here as the leaders of Israel. When you pray, you are not to be as the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners. They just love to stand. They would probably be here and all of a sudden they'd stand up and say, I, I want to pray. And they'd come up in their flowing robes and all the regalery and they would make these high priestly prayers. And then they'd go out on a street corner and stand there and pray so that everybody passing by would see them praying. Jesus said, they do that in order to be seen by men. Truly, truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full here. But God has a greater reward for us in our time of prayer. But when you pray, go into your inner room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will repay you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. If I just, if I just have a hundred words together in my mind, maybe even write them out, and I just throw them out to God, just the many words will get his attention and he'll listen. No. Doesn't matter how many words we use, God listens. And he says, don't use meaningless repetition. Meaningless repetition. There are some churches that have what they call the prayer book. There are written prayers that are read every Sunday to the point to where the vast majority who attend regularly would know what that prayer says. It's just a meaningless, repetitive prayer. 
doesn't come from the heart, comes from a book. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. God knows. He's the all-knowing God. So you might say, well, if he already knows what I need, why should I ask? You ever thought that? I mean, I know he commands me to pray, pray, but I also hear that he knows what I need. So why should I pray? Well, you know what I found out? When I stop my scurrying around and I fix and focus my attention on God who is seated on his throne of grace and glory, and I have that view in my heart and mind, there's something that happens in my heart and mind as I go into prayer. God changes us when we pray. So, what is the pattern? Matthew 6, 9. Pray then in this way. King James says, pray after this manner, therefore pray ye. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You ever heard that prayer before? You ever prayed that prayer before? I know when we got involved in this church, that prayer was recited every Sunday morning. And everybody knew it. And it, if you stop and not really say the words, but listen to everybody else, it sounds like meaningless repetition. It does. It sounds like a mantra. You know, these gurus, the people are flocking to, to find out all about life. They give them a mantra to recite day in and day out over a period of much time. Da 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 It's the same words over and over and over and over again. Suresh told me there was this one holy man in India that was telling all of his followers to pray these words, and the words actually said, I am a dog. I am a dog. They said it over and over and over again. Meaningless repetition. So what is this prayer that we, the church, calls the Lord's Prayer? It's a pattern. It's an outline. And you need to study it. Pray this way. He doesn't say pray these words. Pray in this way. Where does it start? It starts acknowledging our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father. Not our earthly Father. God, our Heavenly Father, it focuses our attention on God. It focuses our attention on His name. Hallowed be thy name. God's name is above all other names. There is no other one like God. He's the one true and living God. So we, we say these things to God as we begin to pray before Him. My Heavenly Father, You who are holy and above all other gods, there is no God like you. You are the one true and living God. You are the God who's created all heaven and earth. Pray like that to let God 
We're not reminding God who he is. We're helping ourselves to remember who God is in praying that way. Then you pray about his kingdom. He's building his kingdom. He's building his church, which means he's a king. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Then he talks about your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, I only want your will to be done in my life. I have this desire, but I only want it to be in line with your will. So if it's wrong, change my desire. You see how you plug in more, more conversation than just this set of words? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is a perfect will of God being done in heaven, and he wants that will to be done here on earth. Why? Because that's the way he is. He's God and I'm not, nor are you. Then we get to the point of asking, give us this day our daily bread, whatever that daily bread is, whatever that need is. And we can stop and say, you know what, Lord? I didn't ask you for, for air to breathe, but you blessed me with the air to breathe today. Okay, thank you. You bless me with the, with the amazing thing called gravity that I'm plunked on this earth and I don't just fly off into the sky. Thank you, Lord. You've given me that. But give us this day our daily bread and then setting ourselves right before him. Forgive us, Lord, our debts. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our transgressions. And... <laughs> You know, when, when Saul of Tarsus met Jesus on the road to Damascus, what did Jesus say to him? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus said that. Why are you persecuting me? And what was Saul of Tarsus doing? He was persecuting. But he was persecuting who? Christians. Okay. So when we... When we sin against either a Christian or another person here on this earth, we lie to them, we deceive them, we trick them, we rob them, we hurt them somehow, some way. That only is not only a sin that we have committed against that person, but we have committed it against Christ. We need forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Hopefully nobody here this morning is holding a grudge against somebody who offended them. Hopefully. Hopefully we've been on our knees and said, Lord, I can't go on with this grudge against this person. It's destroying my life. Lord, I forgive that person. Before you, I forgive that person for doing what they did to me. It's a time of prayer. Do not lead us into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Have you prayed that lately? Lord, I've been tempted so much today from what I've seen and heard around me. Lead me not into that temptation so that I don't fall into sin. And deliver me from the evil one who continually throws temptations my way. The evil one's out after you, folks. Lord, deliver me from the evil one. Will he hear that? Yes. 
Will he answer that? Yes, he will. He'll do that work that we can't do ourselves. So that's how we pray. He's given us a pattern to pray. Learn that segment of scriptures, Matthew 6, 9 through 13, and see the pattern there and pattern your prayers along those lines. Don't repeat that prayer over and over again. You won't accomplish anything. Even though it's God's word, it's repetitive, meaningless, repetitive speaking. Where to pray? Matthew 6, we're still in Matthew. But you, when you go in, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray to your father who is in secret. What is that suggesting? Leave your phone outside the room, leave, leave your tablet on computer outside your room, be there all by yourselves, not having any kind of interruption. You set your focus and in your heart intent on God, period. Hebrews 12, 2, we saw that in Sunday school this morning. Fixing our eyes on Jesus helps us run the race that he set before us. Mark 1, 35, I thought about when I saw that. Where to pray? This is Jesus. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. How many times do you read in the Gospels of Jesus going up on a mountain all by himself and praying? If it was good enough for him and something he needed, why shouldn't it be the same example that we are to follow? Hindrances to prayer. So we've looked at the, what is prayer, we've looked at why to pray, how to pray, where to pray, what are the hindrances to prayer? Well, James helps us on that, James 1.5, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting, without doubting. I think doubt comes in because sometimes we ask God, but we have a doubt if, if he really cares. Or is he really listening? Or will he really answer? All those questions that come with doubt can be answered in this book. So what is going to eradicate our prayer life with, out of doubt? Knowing what we know of God. It's he who we're coming to to pray. We know that he listens. We know that he cares. We know that he loves us. We know that he wants to give the best to us. So pray without doubting. It says, he must ask in faith without doubting for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. You ever been to a, a lake with a windstorm or out on, by the ocean and watching the waves? Anything out there on the waves bobbing around because they're being batted back and forth? That's what doubt is. Just bats us back and forth. We aren't anchored. James says in chapter 4, verse 3, You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. 
so that you may spend it on yourselves. Really? What is the right motive that I'm coming to God to pray? Is something that I see is desperately in need in my spiritual walk with him? Is it something I see that need, I need to confess to him that it is, is a sin in his sight? I need to confess it, being convicted of it, and going with the right motive, wanting to gain forgiveness from him? Is it something I'm asking that I just, I saw my neighbor, neighbor have and I would like to have the same thing? That's actually called coveting. You can't ask God to give us what my neighbor has especially if I don't need it. Ask with the right motives. If I regard, another hindrance, if I regard wickedness in my heart, Psalm 66, 18, the Lord will not hear. If I regard and hold on to wickedness in my heart, there's a sin that I just love to continually hold on to. I don't want to get rid of it. I just love it. If that happens and we want to go to prayer, don't, don't think God's going to hear you because it says, if I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. He wants our hearts in right standing with him. And that only comes through repentance. So we must have our hearts right with God to have confidence in our prayer life. And when God shows us the wrong thinking in our heart, the sinful nature rising up, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Those are hindrances. And there are hindrances that we can uh, take into our lives that are going to cause us trouble in our prayer life. So the next question is, does God answer all prayer? Does God answer all prayer? Well, there are two requirements that I found in Scripture. One is John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and I, it will be done to you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, what does that mean? To continue with him. To be a continual relationship with him. Abiding, you know, you abide in your house. You leave here today, you will go and abide in your house. You will continue to live in your house. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's a requirement, abiding with Christ. Secondly, John 15, 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. What is that the requirement? If I do what I command. It's called obedience. Obedience. Obey. We read in, word, in the Word what we should be doing. We need to read it and obey it. If we don't, and we know that we're not being obedient, it's going to hinder our prayer life. Because that's a requirement. What are some of the possible answers that God gives to prayer? One of them is immediate. An immediate prayer. You're really in a dire strait and you call out to him for help and immediately he answers. He rescues us. 
when he sees it needed to be done immediately. Sometimes our prayer, the answer comes delayed and our need to wait on him, to wait on him, to accomplish what he needs to do to answer that prayer. And God says, well, I don't think I'll do it today. I will do it tomorrow. So we need to pray, Lord, if there's a delay in this, help me to wait, to wait with perseverance and patience. Of course, one of the answers God can give is no. No, I'm not giving to you what you're asking for because God wants the best for us. <clears throat> if he says no to a request, we can all of a sudden realize, well, what I requested was probably something that he sees he can give something even better in answer to that. And then there is an answer that is different than expected. Different than expected. It's not a no. Straight out, no, I'm not going to give you that. It is a different answer and a different response that we haven't expected. You know, we get kind of conjuring up in our mind when we go to God and ask him something for something specific. And that's another element of prayer. Let's not use prayer as a shotgun, a scattergun, and just throw out, oh, I pray for all the people in the world to come to know Christ. Well, that's, that's a, a prayer, but wouldn't it be better if we chose individuals we know by name, take them to the throne of grace? God desires the best for his children, and so he might just answer totally different than we expected. So, Remember that close friend you feel confident to sit down and pour out your heart to, knowing they care about you and are willing to listen and, if possible, able to help you. Well, we have a friend that is closer than a brother, and his name is God, our Heavenly Father. He has provided the way, the way, quote-unquote, the way to be able to come to him with our deepest needs. His way, quote-unquote, is through his only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and Savior. What did Jesus say about himself in John 14, 6? I am the way. I am the way that if you come to God the Father through me, where is Jesus right now? Seated at the right hand of the Father. What's he doing there? He's interceding for you and me. He's not done working. So, Hebrews 4. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. And when it says great high priest, we have to go to the tabernacle and the temple in the Old Testament and what the priest there was to function as. We have a great high priest who is Jesus, the Son of God, who can allow, bring us before God, our Heavenly Father. Let us hold fast our profession, 
of faith, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. You're going through something, a hard thing right now. Might even be causing a temptation to cause you to do something you know is not right. Well, guess what? The scriptures are very clear. Jesus was tempted in all things like we are yet without sin. He never yielded into temptation. Remember the, the 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness right after his baptism when he was tempted of the devil himself in the wilderness, not having food or drink, and he just put Satan in his place. And finally, let us therefore, if we know we have this great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, who is at the right hand of God the Father, the throne of grace and mercy, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We are a needy people, but we have a God to meet every single need. If we will come and bow before this amazing throne of grace and mercy and the help that is there and just pray to God for help. Come boldly unto the throne of grace. Boldly. And if we do that, then everything that is accomplished in our lives as we pray and seek God that way, he will receive all glory, honor, and praise forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness toward us and giving us your word, the Holy Scriptures, which, which is the truth to us, every single page, every jot and tittle. We thank you for the amazing gift of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came, paid our sin debt in full at Calvary's cross, while all of our sin was laid on his shoulders, and your wrath came down to make judgment on our sin, and it fell on your Son. The wages of sin is death, and he died there, taking our sin upon himself, was buried signifying he was truly dead as man, but not dead as God. And then three days later, Father, you raised your son up out of that tomb, and he appeared for 40 days to his disciples to prove that he was still alive, and now he sits at your right hand interceding for us. And because he returned to you the promise that he gave his disciples that when he returned to the Father, he'd send the Holy Spirit, and you have done that. And we have your Spirit as true believers and born-again believers residing in our hearts. That is a mystery, that is a, a, a knowledge that is beyond my understanding, but it's the truth. So thank you, Father, for ministering to us your word this morning to help us in our prayer life. May we heed what you have told us this morning about what prayer is, how to pray, where to pray, why to pray, the hindrances to prayer that we can deal with in our lives. And then, Lord, may you move us 
to pray. It's great to hear a message about prayer, but if it falls on lives that don't go out of here and pray, it was just words. So move us to pray, Lord. Move us to come and have fellowship with you on a daily basis, more than just five minutes of a quick prayer, but spend time with you and your word, hearing you speak and allowing us to speak to you because you care for us. So thank you, our Heavenly Father, and in Christ's name we pray. Amen.